listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome to the One Take Podcast. This is our first episode, episode one. I'm joined by Jake and Dex. I assume in Houston. I am in Houston, yes. I'm in Dallas. Whoa, okay, so we're spanning the big three, Waco, Houston, Dallas, Austin. Hell it yeah. Doesn't, no one cares. <laughs> Waco in the big three? Is that a thing? Yeah, what, no, it's not. It's actually not. <laughs> brainstormed and brainstormed and brainstormed about what we wanted this to be. And it turns out starting a movie podcast in 2020 is real dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's like a, it's a little saturated market. Yeah. To say the least. Movie podcast, streaming services, everyone has one. No, exactly. But, uh, the, the best thing about it is, is that, um, once you turn, what's the Twitter joke? Is once you turn uh, twenty-seven, you have to start either microbrewing or starting a podcast or something like that. So that's exactly what I'm doing. Hell yeah! You can start like brewing something in the bathtub too. Make it like a, get the whole trifecta going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, think we need to start making. I think I need to start making moonshine. I saw that Dex had wanted to. Uh, start a movie podcast and you wanted you've been watching and reviewing movies on twitter for a long time yeah i've been doing this for two years now seeing movies just about every week and writing reviews so now you can hear my voice and do it why did you like what got you started with that um you know i just love going to the movies um even if the movie i'm saying is bad it's just fun to go see a movie so started doing that um amc a-list came out so it was a lot cheaper to start going to the movies and just never stopped. Were you a, uh, were you a, um, what's the, what was the service that crashed and burned? Movie pass. Were you a movie pass guy? Yeah, movie pass. Never. I knew that was a terrible idea from the very beginning. <laughs> you know, so what's funny, what's funny is that Connor was a movie pass guy and he said it was like stealing from, he said he felt bad because it was like stealing from people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, they decided that it was a good idea to pay full price for movie tickets and then sell them to people for ten dollars a month. So you could tell that was going nowhere fast. Yeah, exactly. They actually did make a very good movie, though. Did you ever see their uh, movie that Movie Pass put out? And Movie Pass made a movie. Movie Pass made a movie, and it was actually very good. Um, it was about art theft by these college students. Uh, somebody's gonna be screaming because I actually this movie was actually very good wow i cannot find this movie oh they made three they made three oh they did American make Gotti. animals Gotti, and the row <laughs> i forgot did. they made Gotti. american animals is the one that i'm talking about which was actually really good with evan peters oh but... yeah wait movie pass made Gotti. movie pass yeah. i think sponsored Gotti, so they are uh the john travolta joint Gotti. <laughs> The classic. Yeah, they did the they did all the distro with vertical entertainment. Wild. Nah. Anyway, Jake. So, what? How, what got you? Why did you want to start reviewing movies? Um. So I actually like worked in the uh, film and TV industry for 
a while. I was a, a camera guy. I worked in lighting. Um, I did a lot of reality TV stuff, but like when I went to college, I got a film degree. Like it's, it's been my life for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't work in movies anymore. Stop doing that. Uh, the industry in Dallas is very dead. Like nothing comes through here. Got to move so to like New Orleans. A, yeah. It was hard to make a living, but, um, yeah, movies have been like just like a huge part of my life, um, and uh, I was lucky that I married my wife, who was also super into movies. So it's almost kind of like a weekend date for us to go uh, to the theater, watch whatever's coming out. If not, we're watching something at home. Like it's just a big part of our lives. And um, I'm kind of a heavy cynic when it comes to movies. Like I always kind of get uber picky, but I just I love talking about them, um, love watching them. Like it's just. It's like the biggest part of my life. No, that that's aggressive, but it's like a huge part of my life. Well, at least we know where now you're coming from. So we're gonna finally get <laughs> we're gonna finally get into it. Oscar nominations came out like a few weeks ago. Now we're so behind the gun on any of this, but um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of flack again caught by the uh, you know Academy for who they nominated why they nominated him, who they didn't nominate, and they just cannot seem to get this right. Year after year, I, they, you know, they have flubbed it so many times. I mean, we'll watch because, like, if y'all are like me, I'm like a pig. I'll just eat up anything that'll, like, they put out. So, you know, I'll watch it, host, no host, I don't care. But, like, they just seem to like mess this up so many times and I don't know how you fix it, but I don't know. Uh, what do y'all think yeah. about what, how, what was put out? I'll read off the nominees here in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's been super problematic for years now. Uh, I mean, it's just heavily white male film over and over again. Um, I, I feel like every, year for like the last couple of years we're like we're almost there we're like almost hitting that mark and then we like completely drop the ball mm-hmm. um but it's i mean it's eight thousand some odd voting members of the academy and this is dark but like hopefully we're getting to a point where like a younger generation is starting to take over those numbers and it's not just you know old white guys in the 70s that are still reminiscing about films from the 40s mm-hmm. but yeah well, you can for see me, it in the nominations, but I'll oh. you know, yeah again go ahead, Dex. Yeah, for me, I don't really get too worked up, worked up about the Oscar nominations and like the demographics of whoever's nominated. For me, it's just kind of like sometimes they pick really bad movies. Like that's <laughs> what I have an issue. Like I don't really care like if it's like, a white movie or if it's a male movie or whatever. But like, why is Green Book your best picture winner? Right. Why is Bohemian Rhapsody nominated? You know, like sometimes they just pick bad stuff or like stuff that isn't as good as some other things that they decide to snub. And we can get into that. Well, and that's more that I was getting at is because, you know, regardless of the what was it a few years of the Oscar so white controversy that went on a couple of years ago where I don't think they had one. I think they may have one uh nominate nominee of of color but they the this year there's a there's it's very white but also <laughs> terrible nominations for some of these films and that's oh, more or sure. less of what i was talking about and it was the you know okay so best picture nominees 
Ford versus Ferrari, which okay, like <laughs> dad movie extraordinaire. I like Ford versus Ferrari, but it's definitely like a TNT movie. Oh, for sure. Like it, it is. It's the perfect movie. It's what I call like a Sunday movie. Like you're at home, you've got nothing to do. You're sitting on the couch. It comes on. It's perfect. Yeah, take up a three-hour winning movie too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, The Irishman, which, to be honest, can I? We're in the trust tree. I didn't. We're in the trust tree. I didn't finish The Irishman. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, so I got it, I got halfway through and was like, Nah, I'm good. I couldn't. I'm gonna call on the trust tree here. As somebody who finished The Irishman, and yeah. say that I hated it. I thought it was awful. Really? I yeah. Didn't enjoy it at all. It, I mean, I I walked away so bored. Like there <laughs> there is so much of that film that you could have cut out and come out with the same place. I'll stand it a little bit. Like I'll I'll be pro Scorsese because I I I now understand like it's kind of the end of of this trilogy arc between. Uh, Casino and Goodfellas, but it is so long. It is hard to get into it. It was long for being on Netflix, which is like I will watch 15 hours of The Witcher in a row, <laughs> but like, and we'll get into what we're streaming later. But like, we, I, I could not sit through it, man. I don't know what it was, and maybe it's because with binging, it's like different stories and whatnot every episode. But like with, with the Irishman man I just couldn't and the effects bothered me yeah they were so unsettling to watch like to watch Robert De Niro when they were like look at this young guy and it's just like old Robert De Niro still oh when he goes to curb stop that guy like he looks young but his body moves so slow and awkwardly he looks like such an old man (laughs) That got me. Uh, so that got memed terribly too when it when it came out and got released. Um, Jojo Rabbit, which love it. y'all have seen that. I have yet to actually watch it. I love that movie, and yeah. I will stand for that movie. Um, definitely not going to win. I don't. I don't think it had really any like push behind it in terms of marketing or, or fan base it's getting like a little dark horse uh i think it's it's won a couple and 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 uh the sag and the director's guild and the producer's guild but it's it is a great film i don't it's it's, it's not gonna win but it is a great film and you know it didn't get a lot of love from the golden globes which was really surprising but they never get anything Did not. Like, anyway um, for sure okay so we'll just save your reactions joker Nominated for yep. 11 Oscars. It was also nominated for Best Picture. We'll move on. Little Women, <laughs> Little Women which, uh, Dex, you liked. Loved it. Saw it twice. Saw it twice? Yeah. yeah saw it twice. We'll get I in. Had a friend. Go ahead. Who hadn't seen it. And, uh, you know, uh, she really wanted to see it. And I was like, I will watch that movie again. That movie was incredible. Florence Pugh, the young goat, really out here. Um, oh, you know. Your what you, a year for Florence Pugh. You stand Florence Pugh. I, you, how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> I, look at the material. <laughs> look at the work. Where, where are the Pewazons? Like the, the Pewazons. I think such she's a on growth. a She's yeah. on a heater. For sure. I she, mean, we're we're batting nine hundred right now, at least. She put then, out incredible work. And next year, she's got Black Widow, where she's going to be kind of a main character. So, you know, it's only growing. 
Thomas Q's legend is only growing. Also, hell of a way to announce that you got an Oscar nomination, by the way, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. The avocado titties. Ooh. <laughs> that was a hell of a way. Hell of a way to announce yourself. Um, then we have Marriage Story, which uh, was the most depressing movie of the year. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. But you, it's good. It's just it's good. It, yeah. it, just, it stabs you repeatedly. Yes. Is it good? I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Is it overacted? Uh, oh, I I really liked it. I thought the acting was good. That was one of the one of the weirder movie reactions I feel like we've had in a while. Because that you know that movie came out and everyone like was expecting it to be like this really big Oscars thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it like, came out on Netflix. And so you had like a lot of like regular movie Twitter, not Oscars Twitter, kind of talking about it and the acting and hating on it and picking apart that fight scene and things like that, that yeah. actually haven't seen the movie. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people got that wrong. I think that act, that scene is great. The movie is great. It's all well acted. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson deserve all the love and praise for that movie. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put that one as deserves to be nominated is very good. Probably shouldn't win. I think it, I think that it should have been nominated. Definitely. Also a huge year again for Netflix, which I don't know how they keep making they just keep blowing through money like whatever like and just lying about however many uh viewers they had yeah but uh yeah I was like I was talking with Dex about this earlier like they're just throwing spaghetti on the wall and 90 (laughs) percent of it is not sticking like it's not good but that one that does stick like that's paying for all of it Mm mm-hmm Huge year for Netflix with, uh, we'll get into, I'm sure, The Two Popes, Irishman, and Marriage Story. 1917, which we're actually going to review here in a little bit. I love this movie. We'll get into that here more in a second, but initial thoughts on 1917. Uh, I'm for it. I loved it. Um, I love a good war film. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like every, like, generation gets defined by a war film. I feel like us, it was... Saving Private Ryan. I, I feel like this is going to be like a, a huge sort of cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. I have issues with its story, but we can get later into that. But I think as like an overall technical masterpiece, it's it's perfect. I think it's a movie you definitely have to see in theaters. Um, you know, it's one of those experiences that like you deserve to see on the biggest screen you can find with the best sound you can find. Um, you know, with other people experiencing this kind of tense moment with you. But, uh, you know, once it leaves theaters, I don't know if I'll ever want to watch it again. It's one of those yeah. kinds of movies for me. That's interesting because what I have found since is that, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't get to experience Seven Private Ryan in theaters is that, or at least I didn't, was that, you know, it still has rewatchability whenever they play it again on TNT yeah. on like a Sunday <laughs> afternoon and you mark off a three-hour block they when they replay it it still has rewatchability so i wonder what that will carry because everybody's gonna have a 70 inch tv i wonder what that rewatchability will be like in the next 10 years um but i do agree you do kind of have to see it i saw it in imax and that was definitely worth the price of admission Uh, yeah and then the two uh actually 1917 is kind of up there with it it's kind of a toss-up between these three once upon a time in hollywood and finally parasite um out of these 
I did not, and I need to watch it again. I didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like everybody else <laughs> loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Am I crazy? Like, what am I missing here with this movie? No, I, I, it's, it's a very uh, derisive film. Like, I, I, I think you can meet anybody in a camp that either loved it or, or didn't. Like, there's no gray area there. I'm slowly moving into the. I don't want to say I loved it. Like I still have issues with it, but I, if I can accept it as like a film where nobody in in there is telling the truth, like it's an unreliable film, then it's actually kind of fun. Then it's just like an enjoyable ride of a film. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's one of those. It's one of those movies that. It's good to watch it with other people who haven't seen it, uh, you know, so nobody knows what's coming. Everyone is just kind of like, oh, uh, Tarantino's doing the Manson murders. Like, this is going to be <laughs> ridiculous. Like, oh, Tarantino doesn't mess this up. Like, you know, because I think we all had that kind of thought coming into it. Like, mm-hmm. what is Quentin Tarantino going to do with the Manson murders? Like, we know how, like, ridiculous he is with violence. So you got to show me, you know, Margot Robbie getting massacred. Um, and we were all kind of on edge waiting for that to happen. And the movie kind of sets you up for that. Uh, you know, it's so suspenseful throughout. You're like expecting all hell to break loose. And then it breaks loose in a way you don't expect. And so I think that aspect of it made me really, really enjoy the movie. Um, the kind of turn that it takes. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that movie. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's earned its spot as one of the front runners. One of the best payoffs in a movie this year along with parasite but one of the best payoffs in a movie but i don't for me i don't know if the entire journey besides the bruce lee fight was (laughs) worth was worth the payoff of the movie for sure i don't know and maybe it just because it kind of meandered a while and then it just explodes at the very end which i guess is a tarantino film but like i don't know it it didn't do it for me like some of his other other films in the past have, or hit more more of his recent films have done. And finally, yeah. Parasite, uh, another trust tree thing here. I watched this one on my computer before it came to the United States. So um, for shame, for shame. I'm sorry, Bong Slide Joon. Fast. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bong Joon Ho. You didn't get my money uh, <laughs> right away. I should try and see it again, but. When I watched this, I was on the edge of my, um, I guess, couch because uh, it um, it was one of the more weirdly tense movies. And I watched everything with subtitles anyway because I'm deaf. But like the um, watching watching this and having to watch the subtitles and do everything else didn't really take away from it. But it was also just sort of like it got done and it didn't. I didn't have time to really process what I had just seen. And I knew that I liked it, but I was just sort of like, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. There was so much to unpack with Parasite. Yeah, I I had a pretty similar reaction. Um, I saw it in theaters with my wife, and as we walked out, her first words were, that is the greatest film she's ever seen. And I kind of stood there. I was like, I... I don't know what I watched. Like I, I needed an hour, two hours to like sit and really process it. And once it all started clicking, I was like, 
oh, actually, this is an incredible film. This this is a, a masterpiece that will hopefully stand the test of time, or at least I I wish it does. I saw it like everybody else, you know, kind of the hype of, you know, people calling it the best film they had ever seen, the best film of the 2010s, the best film of the year, different things like that. So I got into it, you know, the first hour or so. I'm just kind of like, this is what everybody was so hyped up about. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously it twists. And I was like, oh, yeah, I understand. I am fully on board. I am here mm-hmm. for this movie. Um, and, you know, as I'm walking out, I, you know, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of people. We talk about movies and things like that. And a lot of them had already seen it. And so I spent like a good hour just ranting to these people about the movie that we had just seen, like unpro- unprocessed, like processing so much of it, unpacking all of it, you know, thinking about different character motivations and, you know, how poverty affects people and, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, rich people owe the rest of society and different things like that. And then obviously, like, just the plot of the movie itself is so bonkers that, you know, you have yep. to unpack all of that. So Parasite is probably my favorite movie of the ones that are nominated for Best Picture. Um, and, you know, I would be most excited for that one to win. Completely agree. Coming off as a sneaky favorite to maybe come and capture that Best Picture, I wouldn't I wouldn't really be surprised if it wins uh, Best Picture. Kind of a kind of a toss-up between 1917 and it i think is the early betting favorite all right stop me uh we're gonna run through these since we talked about all the best pictures uh picture nominations outside of joker because who cares we'll talk about that in a little bit um (laughs) actor leading role uh only one of these was actually very surprising we had um leonardo dicaprio once upon a time adam driver marriage story joaquin phoenix who's the early favorite to probably come away with it Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, another big year for Netflix, and Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, a movie that no one saw. <laughs> yep, uh, I did not. Yeah, so, I mean, Antonio Banderas, maybe the surprise nominee there. Um, I'm not sure who would... Oh, Taron Ter- Anderson, definitely, probably snubbed. Uh, for Rocketman, yeah. For Rocketman, yeah. If Ron yeah, Malik. another one people were upset didn't get nominated was Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name, another Netflix movie. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Dolomite didn't get any nominations, actually. Uh, you know, so people were upset about that. I think that's fair. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen Pain and Glory, so I have no idea whether or not Antonio Banderas is deserving. I assume that he is. He's a great actor, but Eddie Murphy was really good in Dolomite Is My Name, so I would have liked to have seen him nominated at least. Long time coming probably for Antonio Banderas. Kind of a toss. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio probably is coming in second again, but um, man, you hate you hate to see that. But Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker probably the betting favorite to come away with this leading actress in a leading role. Uh, Cynthia, how a Erivo. Erivo, thank you for Harriet was the surprise for everyone here. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Saoirse, uh, Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, Charlize Theron, Bombshell and Renelle Zellweger, Judy, she will probably win, which is another movie that no one saw. I I, actually did see that one. You did? I saw it, too. Um, It is a shocking movie. (laughs) 
you're the one to the wrong. Yeah, sorry. No, it, it, it is a shocking movie. Like, I didn't know it existed until one weekend. Like, I was just kind of browsing through new releases, and I was like, well, you know, what, what's out there? And, and this popped up. And knowing nothing about it, um, other than it's about Judy Garland, I, I kind of went in blind. But I, I use it as a marker for films that if I can't recognize you as the actress or the actor or I'm never pulled out of the film going like, oh, well, you know, that's just Renee Zellweger. The whole time, if you told me that was some sort of like relative to Judy Garland, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like she is perfect in this role. Dex, what'd you think? I, uh, I knew about it beforehand because Renee Zellweger is from Katy, Texas, my hometown. So, you know, every Renee Zellweger movie is kind of, you know, a thing around here. And, uh, you know, she was already getting Oscar buzz for it before it had really released wide. So I had heard, you know, Renee Zellweger is going to win Best Actress. Renee Zellweger is going to win Best Actress. So I went and saw it. I watched the movie. I really liked the movie, but I was like, is this why we're shutting down the Best Actress race in July? Is it because of this performance? <laughs> it's a good performance. It's a great performance. And she, you know, if she wins, she'll be a deserving winner. But, you know, it, she's been the prohibitive favorite for months and months and months now. And I didn't really understand why. Sure. Another old Hollywood thing was uh, we'll give the award, and I'm sure she's deserving, but uh, we'll give the award to the person that played uh, Judy Garland. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's a the biopic one. Yeah, that's a definitely old Hollywood thing. Uh, something that nobody has talked about in a long time. Charlize Theron looks nothing like herself <laughs> in this picture yeah. that they have on the Oscars website. Very true. <laughs> Have you seen Bombshell, Royden? No, you know, I haven't since 1917. I've been out of there. And it, when I saw the movie, I kind of wanted to see just for what it was. But it's like, who was that movie for? Totally. Because totally. yeah. I don't think it was for me. Um, no, it was not for me. Uh, and not for any sort of political reason. I just, I'm indifferent to the story and I, I i realize that's probably a bad thing to say but no part of it ever seemed appealing there, there was no part of that story where i was like i i need to see this i need to Relive give money this. to this yeah i saw it i enjoyed the movie it, it's a movie that made me think about it a lot um because you watch it and you like megan kelly and um what is her name um I forget the other main character in the movie, but uh, they're both, you know, women that we, people like me would never root for, um, You're right. you know, uh, for political reasons. You know, Fox News is not like a company that, you know, it's a company you either love or you hate. And I am not one of the people that loves it. So, uh, you know, Megyn Kelly is not really, you know, somebody that I would consider a protagonist, but watching the movie, she is the protagonist. And, you know, uh, Charlie Theron plays her in a way that like kind of makes you think about why you can't root for, um, and you know you kind of feel bad about it, uh, or at least I did. So that's like an aspect of the movie that that I appreciated. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed um, watching that or that I'm gonna like watch it again anytime soon. But you know, it's a movie that I respect for you know, the story that it told and the kind of the things that it makes you grapple with. And Charlize Theron does an incredible job playing Megyn Kelly. Right. And I think, you know, she looks exactly like her, which is crazy. They kind of, they may uh, deserve best, or best makeup rather. Well, I don't know if we'll get down that far, but the, um, 
So I'm sure she's deserving. She's done an incredible job over her career of transforming into people, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an underrated quality in itself is just like transforming to look like anybody. I know a lot of that has to do with makeup, but it's just so interesting to me that she's done that several times over her career. Um, Actor in the supporting role. This one's not so much a toss up because Brad Pitt has come away with every single award so far this year, including the SAG and Golden Globe. But we'll mm-hmm. go over it anyway. Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, a lot of people love Joe Pesci in this. I personally really like Tom Hanks. I'm glad to see him back in the nominee list. I know there people are sort of divided on Tom Hanks at this point in his career, which is kind of interesting. They still love him, but it's just mm-hmm. like, is he a character actor at this point? But I I really enjoyed A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and I'm glad to see him back in the uh, nominations in the late stages of his career, even though he probably has 30 more years left to, to, <laughs> to be an actor. He's going to be one of those old guy actors. He's going to be like Max von Sydow or something. They're just going to wheel him out there at like 98. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Brad Pitt probably yeah. coming away with this one. Yep. Uh, I think it's kind of, well, I mean, I liked him more than Leo in that movie, to be honest. Oh, for sure. I mean, Absolutely. I, not I, I, I keep thinking that, that Brad Pitt was the main character of that film. I mean, I think he has the majority of the screen time and it's basically his story. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's good. He's a bro. Like he is a, a great actor. I don't know what he's doing in this film to make it so amazing, either than you know beat the shit out of Jet Li. But um, <laughs> personally, throw him into a I, car. I that was incredible. Yeah, throw him a car door, uh, be shirtless on a roof. Uh, I will say that looking that, like a that, snack at like fifty eight. Oh, for sure. I will say he deserves the award just for the the final scene, like that that dog food can't shock into that girl's face was beautiful it was art um secretly i are not even really secretly but I, I i i'm part of the camp that wants pesci to win this i, I know he won't but it was like his perfect role there, there was never a role that was better for pesci than this yeah joe pesci was probably the only thing that i liked about the irishman if i'm honest so i can understand if he wins but i think it'll be brad pitt and brad pitt gave an amazing performance it's one of those those movie star performances where you watch it and you're just like kind of overwhelmed by, you know, just how cool this guy is. And like, it's a guy we all know and love. We've seen him in everything for years. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't have a whole lot of movie star performances anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think the Academy is going to reward that and, you know, give him the award and that'll be good with me. And so we'll move sure. on. Uh, we'll move on to actress in a supporting role. Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson nominated twice this year, a little Jamie Foxx situation uh, for <laughs> Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh, Your Girl for Little Women, and Margot Robbie, also Your Girl for Bombshell. Your Girl meeting um, Dex's girl. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think if we were to read the tea leaves and I, th- I think where it's going, it, it, it'll probably be Laura Dern. I don't, I don't see why not. I don't know if anybody's seen Richard Jewell yet. I don't even know how long it's been out. I haven't seen it. Uh, a few people saw I it. I actually saw it. 
Dex, I, I mean, it's, it's uh, from what I've heard, it's a tough movie. Like, I mean, sure. it's like a classic Eastwood movie. What did you, I mean, uh, and apparently Kathy Bates may have been, and also, and also the man who played Richard Jewell were the two best things probably about that film. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this is a movie that would have done really well on Netflix. It's one of those um, kind of biopics where it's like kind of sucks you in and you're, um, you know, just kind of blown away by each little new detail that comes out in the movie. Uh, So I think as a Netflix film, this would have had way more momentum in awards season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Paul Walter Hauser, the main character who plays Richard Jewell, I think he's really good in it. Kathy Bates gave a great performance. Um, it's kind of a classic Oscar performance where, uh, you know, she's this beaten down mother who, you know, is just really sad about what's happening to her son. And, you know, she gets to cry a lot and be angry and, you know, interact with her son and, you know, the Academy eats that kind of stuff up. So that's probably why she got nominated. She's great. Um, but I would have liked to have seen Jennifer Lopez from Hustlers take her spot. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people were upset about that. Jennifer Lopez gave a great performance in Hustlers, I think. Uh, she would have been a deserving nominee here. Uh, but Richard Jewell, it's pretty good. I think if it's available on Netflix or HBO or whatever in a couple months, it'll be something people pick back up and really enjoy, but not something you need to rush out and see. Uh, For the, sure. I did want to touch on I did want to touch on the not nominating um, Jennifer Lopez, which it would have been, if she was ever going to get any sort of love for her acting career, that was going to be the role I really enjoyed hustlers. I thought that movie came out of nowhere. Like, wow. to, yeah, to be, to be very good. I su- surprise of the year really for me that that movie was anywhere close to being good and not only good, just excellent. I thought it was a very good movie. Um, Jennifer Lopez played the perfect scumbag. She was awesome. And that's really she was awesome, like throughout, like from the jump, she was incredible. So yeah, I would have loved to have seen her get nominated. Yeah, I think I think she could have taken one of these spots, if not, you know, if not Kathy Bates take uh, Scarlett Johansson's place because she's already nominated. A nominee heard twice is kind of interesting. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I agree. If we're gonna drop anybody from this, uh, Skojo is the one. Um, I stand for Jojo. I, I I love that movie. I don't think Scarlett Johansson did anything in the film that's award winning. Um, she has a very minimal screen time. If, if we were going to give somebody from Jojo Rabbit um, the, the, the best supporting actress, it, it should have gone to Thomas and McKenzie, the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays an, an incredible part in there. So if, if we're going to drop anybody uh, for JLo, Skojo has got to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're going to nominate her twice, I don't know why you do that. Yeah. I will say Scarlett Johansson had... Probably the most heartbreaking scene in a movie about oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. thing a lot. Uh, <laughs> she is not a Jewish woman, and she had the most heartbreaking scene in a movie about the Holocaust. So that is, you know, maybe what they were awarding right there. That is how, actually saying something. How, how <laughs> spoilerific are we? Are we going here? Are we? Are we just releasing it all? The movie's been out for three months. Uh, okay. So are we talking about her being hung? Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she is hung for award winning. Yeah, she gets hung oh. in public. JoJo they, finds her, and it, I cried. 
I legitimately oh, for sure. like I, I did too. That was that was an exceptionally shocking scene. Like I audibly gasped in the theater, and I'm not a big gasper, but I I did not see that coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, her, in a Tarantino world, her feet do deserve the award, I guess. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, Can I love on Florence Pugh for a second and just say that she no was phenomenal in Little <laughs> Women. She was phenomenal in. She did a WWE movie called Fighting with My Family earlier in the year. Got really good awesome. reviews, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, apparently she was great in Midsummer. I don't do horror movies, so I couldn't tell you about that. But people who do <laughs> love that movie, so uh, yeah, big no, she, year. she deserved a nomination. I'm glad she got it. Uh, no, she's she's incredible in 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 that. Um, she's incredible in, in, in Little Women. Um, I think Sorsha stole it by a long shot. But I, there there is nothing. There is no reason that Florence doesn't belong in this category. She was incredible and probably won't take it this year, but there's she will get an Oscar soon. She's yeah, it's good. coming for sure. It's Same coming. for Timothy Chalamet. You see it this <laughs> early when they're nominated and when these when these people usually now when these people like a Jennifer Lawrence or somebody is nominated in their 20s, early 20s, they'll be nominated throughout. Yeah, it just happened for Meryl Streep when she was nominated. She just kept getting nominated. I think that's sort of like one of those things where it's like 30 years down the line, it'll be like, can we stop nominating Florence Pugh for Into the Woods? <laughs> no, she's great for Into the for the fifth remake of. Yeah, can, um, we don't have to do that. I also think she doesn't turn into the new Amy Adams, who gets nominated like every year and never wins. Oh. Oh, it, it, yeah, like nominated like five or six times, and it still is not, not one. Yeah. So hopefully, a few can avoid that. I think she'll be able to. I think she'll grab one. Um, cinematography, we got to talk about this because of uh, one shot. Um, yep. The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is no contest. This will go to our man, Roger Deakins. The love of my life <laughs> absolutely deserves it. He's the um, go. Dude got, dude got snubbed in the Oscars for, for quite some time. Uh, but now I is going back to back, which is an incredible feat in itself. Um, but no, 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 this is, it, it's 1917. Like even, I think Irishman uh, is okay shot. Um, same with Joker. Uh, I think um, Lawrence Schur basically stole a lot of looks from like Taxi Driver. Uh, definitely stole a lot from. We'll get um, into it. We'll get into yeah. it. But Dark Horse out of nowhere, Jared Blash for Lighthouse. I don't know if that's just a nod to black and white cinematography. Uh, but yeah, no, no. But I, I agree. Deacons is going to get this. It's it's not even worth talking about. Other than he is the love of my life. Nominated, uh, I think, upwards of fif 15 times. Has only won once. And he won for, yeah. uh, I was going to say Terminator, not Blade <laughs> Runner 2049, yep. which was one of the best-looking movies probably ever. Um, directing. And I think we'll wrap up here after directing because um, anyone that really cares has fallen asleep by now. Um, the 
directing is, of course, Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, Todd Phillips, Joker, Sam Mendes, 1917, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Now, this has sort of become a toss-up all of a sudden because uh, for once Mendes won the Golden Globe, he, I thought he may have run away with it, and he still might. But, I mean, I wish we could kind of see the voting for these things. But Bong Joon-ho definitely deserves it for Parasite as well. Totally agree. Um, I think we'll get the answer this weekend once uh, Director's Guild comes out on, I think it's Sunday. Um, but, yeah, Bong Joon for Parasite. If I, I'm not sure if it's going to win Best Picture, but if he can walk away with Best Director, I think that's going to really kind of open up the awards to more foreign-based films, which is going to be a huge... Yeah, I uh, I would be okay with just about anybody winning this category except for Todd Phillips for Joker. <laughs> we'll get into that. Let's do that right now. Uh, let's just do it. let's do that right now. Parasite will win best uh, foreign film, uh, bar none. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably not even a probably not even a question. All right, we're gonna talk about the Joker, or not even the Joker. It's Joker because who Joker. gives a shit? Um. It's just called Joker. Joker, one of the most stupidly divisive movies <laughs> of 2019, starring mm-hmm. our boy, our good boy, Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, uh, who's also kind of on a heater. And um, yeah, this movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. One thing. Kill it. Kill it. This movie was a piece of garbage. This, like the streets of Gotham, this movie (laughs) stunk. The like it was. I, I, I. Okay, here's. uh, I'm gonna be honest. I saw this movie by. I first. I paid to see this movie in IMAX by myself. And it was so weird in that movie. The vibe in the movie was so weird. There was a dude that was there for the entire previews, got up, left some stuff behind, and then walked out. And I was like, what did he just leave? Because of the stupid news cycle, I was like, what did he just leave in here? And then I was just like, then there was another dude obviously pirating the film two seats away from me. And I was (laughs) like, what? Where am I right now? So I got up and left like a weirdo. And then uh, if we're still in the trust tree, I watched this movie because I got my money once uh, on my computer because it wasn't yeah. hard. It was not hard to find, folks. And um, <laughs> just being honest. And when I finally got through it, I just could not believe that so many people liked this movie. Like not even just like, and I get it. There's the whole incel culture that we can maybe even get into, but like, love this movie there is a group of my friends that i trusted (laughs) to like to you know with my life that really like this movie and i gotta say i'm shocked yeah i yeah i don't get it man it's it's okay like i i understand that you know it's a very gritty, you know, comic book movie, and people love those kind of things now, you know. But it wasn't. 
It wasn't a comic <laughs> book movie. It was. It, wasn't. it was Taxi Driver. It was a movie that they called Joker and sort of made about the Joker. Yeah, that's my biggest issue. Is that there's no reason for Bruce Wayne to be in this movie. There's right. no, no reason I, Thomas Wayne to be in this movie. Get him out of here. This is a movie that I, I won't. I mean, I hated it. Like, I absolutely hated it. I'll, I'll stand slightly on, like, the devil's advocate sort of positive side. But, uh, no, I, I totally agree that we called this movie, um, I can't think of his character's name for the life of me right now. Um, Arthur Fleck. Fleck. If we call, yeah, if we called this movie Arthur Fleck and removed all the comic book and Batman elements, you would have the same thing. Like, it almost felt like the Batman elements were just there for marketing and to sell tickets, as opposed to, what if we just made a film about a mentally ill man who started a, an uprising in a city, I guess? Um, but By no, accident. It, 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 totally the yeah, stupid... Totally by accident. The stupidest, the stupidest, like, gang leader of all time. He fails upwards so hard in this movie. <laughs> it's, yeah. The I whole mean, time was... I was like... How did nobody just kill this dude? Like yeah. <laughs> that would be the end of this. Like there was no security in the TV station. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. I mean, I realized this was the seventies, eighties ish, so probably nobody was there to pat him down because it's a pre nine eleven world. But even then, like the, nobody would have been like, "Oh, he just shot De Niro in the head. We should stop him. Just let him continue on the rampage." Also, most telegraphed thing of all time. Oh, for anybody for sure. that was shocked by that. You're dumb. That yeah. was the sorry. That was the that was the most. The, I I said okay. Well, he's just gonna kill Robert De Niro. He yeah. did. He did. Shot him in the head. Uh, that's. Uh, you get what you deserve. Oh my god. And it. And the reason that we're talking about this and ranting on it. This movie came out. Should have started this podcast four months ago. The the <laughs> the reason that we're talking about it is because it was nominated for eleven. 11. 11 Academy Awards. It may win one. Yeah. And... It's definitely going to win at least one. It's going to win Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, like, yeah. It's and over. I'll, I'll push for that. Um, I, I hated the film, but I think, I think Joaquin was fantastic. I don't know how you are fantastic in a terrible film, but he was good. I, he kind of exists in that sort of Daniel Day-Lewis space where he can contort his body and become this weird sort of figure in the film. Like there are so many shots where he is in this just contorted, almost like animated state that I'm like, okay, to be on set for him to pull that off is a feat in itself. It's disappointing. He was doing it in this film, but I'll, I'll stand for him to be nominated and to be sweeping. I don't know. I just, he was, I will say he was the only thing that kept this movie bearable at times. And even so I was almost so turned off by him and all the different, and I know that's the point, What? but, but <laughs> yeah. like, it was just his like choking on his laughter and everything. I was just like, Jesus, like we do, do are we going to keep doing this? Like, this is what we're going to keep doing. All right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really have a great argument for who else you would give it to this year, uh, especially out of these nominees. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, Joaquin Phoenix hasn't won before, I don't think. Uh, he's been nominated a few times. 
um you know any other movie this would be like a pretty good narrative uh everybody would be pretty excited about it but for joker to have so many nominations and to be such a stupid movie is just kind of put the bad taste in everybody's mouth but i think joaquin phoenix is good enough to win and you know that'll be fine when he does but if it wins anything else good lord help us Okay, I will say, but the better version of this movie came out last year with Joaquin Phoenix. It was, I don't know if y'all saw it, it was, um, you were never really here. I guess uh, it was, no. I've heard great I know things. exactly what type of Have y'all not, or have you seen it? No. Seen it. Okay, it's basically the same, it's a basically the same movie and I think it's on Amazon. If you haven't seen it, it's tough to get through, but it's kind of the same performance where instead though, he put on like 30 pounds of weight instead of losing 30 pounds, which is kind of interesting. He's starting to get into that Christian Bale territory where he just mm-hmm. does that. But I don't know, maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe I'm really stupid <laughs> because this movie made a billion dollars and got yeah. 11 Oscar nominations. So maybe I'm stupid. But I was just so turned off by everything about this movie. Just like, and I guess the cinematography looked good and he and Joaquin carried the movie, but it's just a Taxi Driver remake. And I know that's been said before, but oh my God. Like it's just Taxi Driver or King of Comedy or what have you. Mm -hmm. It's a film that I don't don't know why it was made. I, I legit... Don't know why I was made. Like, I understand why DC slapped their name on it because they just, they need a win somewhere. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know what Todd Phillips was. I don't want to say thinking because I, I think he was just thinking dollar signs and, and wanted to make a gritty film and slowly take his way or take his name away from the, the comedy films that he's done. Uh, but this is a story that didn't need to be told because we've been telling it over and over and over again. And I don't think we're at a point where we need a new Joker post ledger. It's, it's just a, it's a film that's okay. That exists in the wrong time. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you why that movie was made and came out in 2019. We didn't need any of that. Um, and, you know, Todd Phillips hasn't really done himself any favors on the campaign trail, so I don't believe it has a real shot at Best Picture. But um, it, I I really liked it walking out of the theater because I also had a pretty weird theater experience. was also very tense. You know, so all the bits of comedy in the movie were, like, real-life tension relieving because we were all worried about, like, getting shot yeah. based <laughs> on the... <laughs> on yeah. the news cycle around the movie but the further i get away from that move that theater experience the less and less i like that movie even down to like really stupid shit like when he gets on the train there just happen to be these three dudes who like know all the words to send in the clowns all i right. guarantee you, you could pick out literally any three dudes in america right now <laughs> none of them will know any of the lyrics to send in the clowns so yeah. like just that, even that kind of thing, just like grinds my gears about that movie now. Like, I, it's Nit- just stupid. Nitpick. I mean, it, it, yeah. Nitpick. The and I, the promo for this movie, the entire promo was based around that staircase, and then to play, 
the song that they played when he danced down the staircase. What? Audible laughter from everyone in the movie theater while that happened. Even though it's the iconic scene, it ends so horribly because he gets he's having this moment of elation, looks behind him, and there's the two detectives, and then he just bolts. <laughs> like he has this big moment where he's like almost like a kingpin, and then the second he sees any authority, he's out. Yeah, because he's a coward. <laughs> he failed upward so yeah. much in this movie. I cannot say that enough. It was the I just couldn't believe it when I was like, okay, so he's just gonna keep getting away with this. Yeah. Yeah. Keep getting I'm really annoyed that they made the Joker just a regular ass dude. Like, you know, in pretty much every other Joker portrayal we've ever seen, he's like an evil genius or, right. you know, at least like good at, you know, hand to hand combat or, you know, something. He has some kind of skill that makes him like a worthy, you know, like yeah. opponent villain. to Batman or interesting villain at all. This guy's just a regular ass dude who yeah. got pissed at people and started killing them randomly. Yeah. If we, if we were going to make a Joker film, then we'll just make it a Joker film. Mm-hmm. Like, and actually have it be comical. Well, not comical, but you, you can make it gritty. We can go old man Logan style or, you know, Nolan's Batman. But if we're going to make a Joker film, make them the supervillain Joker, not this dude off the street with, severe mental issues that also just happens to lead a riot right right and there is so many i think the problem also lies in that there are so many messages in this movie from health care to wealth inequality to uh, mental illness to just what have you uh but it doesn't focus on any one of them no it doesn't, and I think that really is to the detriment of this movie. And I put this out on Twitter, and I got a little bit of a response of, is this the worst movie to be nominated for the most amount of Oscars in a given year? I don't know if y'all have Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I feel like the answer has to be yes, but I'm not good at Oscars trivia to, like, know off the top of my head, like, who was the most nominated in any given year, so... Well, I'm just going to put her on the moment and say, yeah. Well, give me a second because um, because I do remember Lord of the Rings Return of the King was also, you know, um, was for the longest time the most nominated or sorry. With 11. Yeah, or it, it, it won 11 awards. So most by a single film, Ben-Hur, which people haven't talked about in years. Uh, but 59 ultimate dad movie. Also Titanic got 17, uh, 17, uh, it got 14 nominations. Sorry. And Lord of the Rings return of the King was nominated for 11, all great films in their own right. Um, and then the Joker and then <laughs> or just Joker. Joker or just, no. Yeah. Just Joker, which why put the the? Who cares? Who who knows? Whatever. I don't care. And La La Land, actually, which people have come around on to not liking as much as they liked it in the beginning. I still love that movie. Got- I also love that movie, and I will say I would have chosen it over Moonlight. Oh, really? I know that's a hot take, especially as a black guy, but like, I would have chosen La La Land over Moonlight. 
was a hot day. I'm I'm part of the don't like it crowd, but I, I, that's probably a separate discussion later down the line. But it is it's an okay movie. It's an okay movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to talk about that one down the line. And we wanted to. We have an idea that we may do later down the line of nitpicking movies that everyone loves. So I think La La Land is actually a good one, considering you actually don't like it. Um, <laughs> but now let's move on. I mean, we're already an hour in, but let's move on to 1917, the film that we actually wanted to review. Uh, we wanted to roast the Joker for a little bit, just because, whatever. And it got 11 nominations, so following up the Oscar talk with Joker talk. But the movie that I actually really liked, and I think probably should win best film for my opinion is 1917 1917 obviously focusing in on the year 1917 world war one directed by one sam mendez who did skyfall american beauty to name a few has 89 percent on rotten tomatoes um just under two hours long Cinematography by the great Roger Deakins. I and love this one, the Golden Globe Award for Best Director and Best Motion Picture Drama. Um, budget of nearly a hundred millions, only made about seventy-eight million at the box office so far. I think it'll make its money back, but it's tough sometimes for these movies uh, to really make their return on investment, which you know recently oh i lied sorry it uh, it's made 149 million i lied to both of you it's made 86 in the usa but this mostly stars dean charles chapman and george mckay and mostly just george mckay Mm. Um, what initial thoughts on 1917 if i had to rate this movie uh two thumbs up five stars four and a half stars and probably like a 95 overall if we were going to do that way um no yeah so i I feel like i'm about to break up with someone because the way i want to say like i respect it and i I love it but it's a it's kind of a boring film which feels weird to say where the backdrop is world war one um i feel it is a film that the main star is is Deacon cinematography. The these like sweeping vistas and the amazing shots that they were able to get while trying to, I mean, essentially give the idea that it's a oneer was incredible. But outside of this like incredible cinematography feat, it's a bit of a I don't know. It's a it's a weird film that that I think wants to say a lot but doesn't know how to say it, and then doesn't have enough to say at times. Yeah, for me, I think I would say, like I said earlier, definitely go out and see it in a theater. Uh, you know, big IMAX screen if you can. Uh, it's one of those movies that deserves that. Um, cinematography is great. Like we've all been talking about. Like that's all everyone can talk about. But story-wise i feel like it won't really hold up on a rewatch kind of the the claustrophobia of it the you know the anxiety that it induces i think if you kind of know where all those situations are headed i don't think you'll feel the same way and that'll kind of take away from the movie but so i give it like a first watch probably nine and a half uh out of ten. Second watch i feel like 
I'm going to see it again when, you know, AMC does the best picture marathon every year for all the nominees. So I'm going to go see it again, but I'm expecting it to be around, you know, seven, eight um, out of 10 on a second watch. So, um, you know, definitely recommend going to see it at least one time. But uh, the story, I think, is a little lacking. Okay. It's not cinematography. I I completely agree, and I think that's why people were kind of slobbering over it. Um, I think there's more story there than y'all may think. I I I kind of enjoyed where they went with it, and they didn't. You know, they were still able to even and make credit to George. McKay, McKay or McKay. I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name, sir, but they kicked his <laughs> ass in this movie. They oh, for sure. like credit to him for developing that character, even though he didn't have that many lines, didn't have that many interactions with people. You could feel the urgency in the theater. And maybe that does go to the theater, lend to the theater experience, but I felt that he sort of developed that character and heavy spoilers. If you haven't seen 1917, what are you doing here? I don't, you know, go see it. Pause it right now. Go see the movie. Come back to this. They kill Dean Charles Chapman. Not even halfway through this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I did not see that coming. That was quite the shock to me. He is in 100% of the marketing. He is in 35 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I, I entered the film thinking that he is the one that's going to make it. Like, I, I, there is, I knew that somebody is going to die that I care about. Did not see it being him. I thought we were going to lose McKay pretty early. No. Yeah, that entire scene with the plane crash on the farm or whatever, yeah. none of that was anything that I saw coming. Like, the plane starts coming down, and, like, everybody in the theater is like, holy shit. That plane is going to hit them. And, you know, <laughs> the guy gets out. I'm thinking, oh, he just survived a plane crash. He's going to be pretty chill about this. Dude, no, 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 no. He is not at all chill. He is very, very German. Uh, <laughs> immediately after falling out of a plane. Dude, yeah, we I've ragged fully... you out of a plane. Like, why? Yeah. I fully expected him to be like... I mean, they pull him out. His leg is on fire. He clearly is, like, banged up. You would figure they'd be like, hey, thanks for pulling me out of the plane. And then, like, give some sort of, like, Dilbert-like joke where he looks like, I don't know, like, Tuesdays, right? <laughs> no, he just straight up stabs him. Oh, no my reason. God. That was just one of the things where I was just like, oh, Okay, well, we're doing this. One of the things that, and then another thing about that, they just leave him there. They're just like, "Hey, World War Two or World War One, right? Like, like we just got, we're just gonna leave these dead bodies here. They don't even bury his friend. He's like, I got somewhere to be. All right, we'll just leave. Whatever. Like, time's ticking, buddy. Let's go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, that that was one of like the issues that I have with this film. I'll, I'll kind of drop it now. We can revisit it later. But there is a lot of introduction of, like, these heavy hitters of British film. I mean, we get um, Holland Firth in the beginning. We get Benedict Cumberbatch in the end. And in the middle of this scene, after we just lose one of our main characters, Mark Strong shows up. Yeah. And it's just Mark Strong. Like, he's just Mark Strong in a uniform, but makes zero indication or like or tries to act World War One y. Like he's just like, hey, I'm Mark Strong. 
Sucks you lost your friend, but don't think about it. Get in the truck. Yeah. Yeah, that is sort of thing where it's just like, all right, one British superstar. <laughs> Let's go to the other British. I was like, yeah. where's Eddie Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne's in this movie yeah. somewhere. <laughs> like, uh, uh, and uh, or uh, it, uh, Richard Madden at the end. Like, yeah, it's just it's weird that that we keep getting introductions of like these heavy hitters of of British film for two scenes and then never discuss it. It yeah. may be. Maybe it was one of those things where it's like, where it's like what Mendez wanted to do is really sort of drive home this one character and wants you to really care about him and how war is, is that, and maybe I'm looking too far into it, but how war is, is that these people come and go in and out of your life. So no, totally. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, me and Jake were talking about this movie earlier because we had both been really excited about it. Um, Roger Deacon's Hive. And, uh, you know, I saw it. Other people asked me how it was, and I was like, it was really, really cool. I couldn't name any of the characters right now if you put a gun to my head, but it was really cool. Uh, you know, so that's something that I always look for in movies. Like, if I can remember any of the characters' names, then, you know, they were probably well-developed characters. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, this movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, movies like that, it's like I know, like, probably one character's name in this whole thing, and the other's might as well have not existed. Um, you know, so that's probably my only issue is that the story is like, it's not, it's pretty thin. Um, you could tell like yep. the story wasn't the, the main driver of this movie. It was, you know, mostly the cinematography and like how cool they can make world one, world war one look. Yeah. And they really made world war one look really cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, beyond that, um, you know, I don't think it was anything spectacular uh, other than the cinematography, but I'd be happy with it winning Best Picture because, you know, it is such a, a feat of filmmaking. Um, you know, it's very stunning to watch, um, you know, so I'd be on board with it winning. The totality of this film, I think, almost makes it to where it does deserve Best Picture in my mind because in its whole, it's like cinematography, score also i really enjoyed the score by uh mm-hmm. in this film i the set design and makeup and uh things of that sort you don't really think of set design until you see it and you're like oh okay yeah, yeah i get it and when they have dead bodies and they're crawling over rats and just all this uh, yeah. stuff that looks like the worst and then you're just like yeah i feel like i'm for two seconds, you're kind of like, yeah, that I feel like I'm there. And this film. Okay, uh, that rat scene in towards the beginning <laughs> of the movie, that fucked me up. That was, uh, I was so tense that entire time. And I was like, we've only been in here for like 20 minutes. I ain't know it was going to be that kind of party. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm here for this now. Um, sort of kind of attack on where you're going with it. Uh, that, that I think it, really early in the scene, like when they first cross into no man's land, and they're kind of like jumping through craters and crawling through everything. There's just one quick. It, it's not like an insert shot because it was still kind of a long take, but there's just this one shot. Um, I think it's of George McKay's foot as like he slips into mud and he's just caked in it. It just like yeah, like I'm fully in that scene. Like I I know how shitty that is. Like to be stuck in that mud and just to keep on crawling. Like that is that that is really good set design. Like that is, which I'm sure like really it was. They just 
took a giant hose and watered down a giant field, but still like you are fully immersed into that. Yeah. And it can't really be, and I, and they won't get the praise that they deserve, but Dean Charles Chapman and, and George McKay really do deserve a lot of uh, praise for this film and the way that they, because if you've listened to interviews with them, they blocked out this movie for like six months in advance yeah. to go and like try and do these step-by-step shots and everything else that goes hand in hand with the, with the filmmaker. And I cannot say it enough. They kick George McKay's or McKay's ass in this movie. <laughs> like when he gets all that dust in his face, when he like, you know, gets shot and falls down the stairs, when he jumps into, and he also wasn't jumping in the water, but they, you know, jumped and he falls in a river and he's just floating yeah. down the river with all these dead bodies and everything. They, I mean, they, they put, it looks like they put him through hell. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Like in real uh, life, uh, 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 um, yeah, no, uh, uh, that that scene towards the end, right, right before he, you know, does the magnificent um, shot of him running up the trench and whatnot. But uh, the singing scene when when he gets to the forest after the river and he's just sitting there and he looks so destroyed, like you almost kind of believe, like, oh no, he went through all of this and this is like the first time he gets to rest. Like mm-hmm. it is. It is incredible acting. I really enjoy this. I think this is by far Sam Mendes' best film. Now, I, you know, in retrospect, it's not it's not great, but I really do like American <laughs> Beauty. Um, but uh, in retrospect, Ooh, that movie tough, is tough scene. Yeah, in retrospect, the movie is kind of weird. But uh, I do like Amer- American Beauty, and Skyfall is all, you know probably the best James Bond film in a long time. Some yeah. may disagree with that, but I I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Skyfall. So, but I bet this is his best. I would venture to say when we look back on his career, this is probably going to be his magnum opus. For sure. Um, do we think we can say the same for Deacons? Do we think that like the, this is like the little accent? I mean, he has a stellar career, but this is like the little accent on his resume, like the final, like, bam, look at me. You know, I don't know because, um, I'd be interested to see what Dex has to say, but Roger Deakins, like we said, did finally win his first Oscar last year for Blade Runner 2049, which if you ask anybody is probably the best well shot or most, the most beautiful movie that they've seen in forever. And it really was, I'm sort of iffy on that film as far as entertainment value, but Mm -hmm. it just, it was very good. But here's the heater that Roger Deakins has been on in, in the 2010s. True Grit, 2011, Skyfall, Prisoners, Unbroken, which, take that one or leave it, but I'm sure it looked great, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, Mm -hmm. and 1917. What a run. That, yeah, that's, Unbroken is kind of the take it or leave it, but still, like, that is, he stepped up the plate and hit it out of the park every single time. Like, that's a perfect game. That is, that is perfect. And somehow he was nominated in 2008 twice and didn't win for No Country for Old Men and The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, which is also one of the most beautiful movies that I've ever seen. Oh, stunning. Every, uh, every frame of that is I have not seen that movie. You haven't seen that movie? I have not seen that movie. I've heard about it so long and just never sat down and watched it. I got to do that. I, If you're listening to this, pause it, look up 
uh, train scene, train robbery, the mm-hmm. assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford on YouTube, and just watch and see sort of how he frames that because it's pitch black and he frames this with just the train light and everything else. It's one of the most well-shot movies that I've seen in a long time, but his first Oscar nomination came with the Shawshank Redemption in 1995. Yeah. And he was, he is 80 years old, I think. Uh, Somewhere in 70, there. 70 years uh, old? I don't know. Uh, let's find out. 70. He was born in 49. Yeah, 70 years old. So I think he wins this year, and I think he probably has, hopefully, he has a lot more years left in him. But to be able to do something like this, I don't know if he has more of this left in the tank. But, we'll, you know, I've been proven wrong. Yeah. You know, I think it'd be unfair to say anybody has more of this in the tank because this is <laughs> this is quite the achievement. <laughs> yeah, to block out uh, all of this and and to block out all of this and to make it look like and I caught myself because I knew it was supposed to all be one take going in. I had heard that and it kind of ruined it for yeah. me because I was like, because my OCD brain was like, okay, where the where they cut? Cuts. Yeah, where yeah. they cut it. Oh, that's where they did. It. I was then I just had to be like, stop, watch the movie. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, they they did themselves no justice in that regard because they all the marketing for this film was just like the featurettes of like, look how we shot this, look how we shot this. They didn't really give a whole lot of uh, interviews or anything to Mendez or the actors. It was all about Deacon. So yeah, there was. I mean, all the hype really was that it, it's a wonder. Um, my primary concern now is that we're going to enter, not this year, but like 2021, we're going to see a lot of attempts at this, attempts at like one-take films. This, When you have the best of all time, it's easy to do. When you, yeah. when you have Joe Schmo from USC uh, Film School trying to do it, I don't think you're going to be able to yeah. figure it out. Uh that and like not a whole lot of stories really need to be done as wonders um you know movies like this movies like you know like uncut gems or something like that those kind of movies could be done in one take like that kind of talk about necessary but you know for a lot of movies it's just like why why on earth would you try and make that a wonder i've only seen this done and executed well a couple of times this being one and in true detective season one when, oh, the... when they were raiding the yeah. uh when they were Trailer raiding park. yeah the that that scene which was Our... one of the one of the best you know one of the best section eight housing is when they were you know yeah, robbing the section eight housing is that was one of the best one take shots that i've seen but yeah like I, I don't there isn't much reason to do it other than oh i thought it would look cool and it does but like dex was saying yeah. like you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah there really is like it, it's cool i remember um when gravity came out that was the big talk of the town is that the first 15 minutes no cuts um i i i i think and i i sort of fear that it it might become sort of the we have to do it we have to have a long take shot but i agree i don't i don't think it really ever serves a purpose i think it's nice to have i think it's a cool effect i think it does add tension when used correctly but 
I fear this might set a precedent. Right. Well, let's move on from 1917, which may win Best Picture, but I wouldn't be surprised if Parasite wins. That wraps up all of our Oscar talk. Um, an hour and 15 minutes in, we wrapped up all of our Oscar talk. So finally, we are going to do... Uh, what do you want to do first? What are we streaming or hot takes? One take, hot takes. Let's do streaming first, and then we'll close out on hot takes. All right, Dex, you have been streaming some of the most stuff recently. Uh, what you been streaming? Because I know you've been tweeting about it. Yeah, uh, I fell in love with Navarro College uh, <laughs> while streaming the documentary Cheer on Netflix. Um, cannot recommend it to you enough. Six episodes, all about an hour each, about the Navarro College cheerleading team. Um, it's even cooler than it sounds. Uh, I know that's impossible to believe, but it's incredible. It kind of shows it's a uh, Done by the same people who did Last Chance U. Uh, so if you've seen Last Chance U, it's like that about competitive college cheer. Um, and, you know, it's an incredible documentary. You just got to watch that first episode, and I guarantee you, you'll be hooked. So check it out. Uh, anything else? Um, I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. I think Jake is going to get into that a little <laughs> bit later. So I'll leave that to him. Okay. Um, but, yeah, man, that's been kind of what I've been doing the last week or so watching cheer and the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Jake, what have you been streaming? Uh, same as Dex, watch cheer. Um, I think everybody's talking about it about this point. It is, it is as good as a docu-series can get. I don't remember ever sitting and watching a docu-series and getting as into it since uh, the jinx on HBO. Um, I, I think we ran through it in two days. It's incredible. Um, yeah, we uh, watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. I have thoughts. I'll get to it in a second. Um, but then right now, uh, in terms of streaming, I don't I don't think we're watching anything new. We're finishing up Good Place, which I think next week is its final episode. Incredible show. Deserves every award that it will ever receive. I love Good Place. I haven't I haven't I need to catch back up on on Hulu with that. I I got so far behind. I binged all of season one when it came out on netflix and then just fell so far behind but it is it is one of the most clever shows i think i've seen in the last few years okay so um i also have watched cheer (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect this is now this is now the official podcast of navarro junior college yeah man let's do it uh the that series was so engrossing that you're just like that you could care this much about and i think it's different for us because i mean people across the country did really enjoy this show it's been it's been one of the most talked about things on twitter and reddit and everything else for a long time but like like jj watts watching it and everything else but like i think it i think it does lend itself to to people in texas a lot because it's like i don't know where that is you know what mm-hmm. i mean like yeah it's a lot right down the road from waco and i could not tell could not have told you you could have put a gun to my head and said what what uh how many championships does navarro uh cheerleading have and i've been like navarro has a cheerleading competitive <laughs> cheerleading team yeah would not have known and i think I yeah, I think that's kind of the point of the documentary too is that it's just like you know 
nobody we come out and cheer on Friday nights or Saturday nights but nobody knows that we still have this biggest competition in the United States and it made you care that about this sport that you'll never root for ever again yeah I think that's safe to say right? you, but I'll be rooting for Navarro College cheer every <laughs> single year at the NTA I am going to Daytona <laughs> I will meet Monica <laughs> and the Met. <laughs> Monica will be my mom. <laughs> she, she, I, she, I will be adopted by Monica. Yeah, I. What a show! I just literally the first I saw the first episode after hearing my friends talk about how great that documentary was. Wanted to see what the hype was. And then that first episode, I knew immediately. I had to watch it all. Watched it in like two days, which is very rare for me. Yeah. I'm not a big binger. So, Caitlin and I, Caitlin and I watched it. I think in in a day and a half, and it was, it was just one of those things where it's just like, it's one thirty in the morning. You want to keep just keep going. You keep going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gotta and know what happened. Gotta yeah. know what happened. Uh, our boy Jerry is back. I wonder if the I do wonder if they can make a season two and if it we will it will be as captivating as the first season. I think it's I think they already have confirmed it or it's been talked about at least. I started, we go back. Follow, we can... I started following a lot of the cheerleaders on Instagram and a lot of them posted pictures at the Netflix headquarters today. So I'm mm-hmm. still there's going to be some movement on that front here pretty soon. At least find out why Lexi got back on the team. Yeah. Uh, something concerning. Maybe on the floor in a season two would be the other main competitor, Trinity Valley. I was saying I think, that to Caitlin. So go ahead. I think that would be awesome to see, like, kind of their old story and their process, and they're like trying to take down Navarro as the underdogs. I think that would yeah. be incredible television as well so i hope they do something with them um i kind of want a continuation because it seemed like tech was kind of the big feeder for them is that like a lot of them ended up there or somewhere around so i'd love to see what life is like in a four-year college where cheer is not as competitive or as cutthroat as it would be at navarro like how do you thrive in that situation yeah, I think I do like the, you know, and if you haven't ever been through, it was it Trinity Valley? Yeah. Yeah, we went through there the other day just on a drive, and it was uh, up to my girlfriend's hometown, and it was, it's smaller than Corsicana. Like, the fact that they have a competitive cheerleading team there, it's like, and I know you pull from wherever, it's not just people in your hometown, but the fact that they, you know, they have like, 15,000 less people in their town than Corsicana. It's a tiny, tiny town. Tiny, tiny community college, too. So the fact that they are as competitive as they are is actually pretty incredible as well. Um, The funny thing that I saw about that, you said you follow all these girls on Instagram. They have now, they're now famous. They now have, like, that one girl was already famous. But... Gabby, thank you. But Ooh. now all of these other girls and guys now have hundreds of thousands of Instagram yeah. and Twitter followers. Yeah. 
Like they could stop cheerleading. Regular colleges. Yeah. They could stop cheerleading and just sell fit tummy tea and be, uh, <laughs> and be good to go yeah. for the rest of the rest of the time. Cause they now all have like 500,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's gotta be an incredible dynamic. Cause like, could you name the Louisville quarterback right now? I couldn't Louisville starting quarterback. No, I, I doubt a lot of people who go to Louisville could either, but they probably know who Jerry <laughs> is now because yeah. they've been watching cheer on Netflix. So who do you think gets more attention walking into the club in Louisville, Jerry or whoever Louisville starting quarterback is? Yeah. It's got to be Jerry. It is Michael Cunningham. Shout out to Michael Cunningham. Sorry, Mike. Nobody knows who you are. You've been. It's a a rough death chart. Red shirt sophomore. And then right behind it was a true freshman. Yikes. 2020 is going to be a rough season for Louisville. (laughs) Go Cards. Uh, yeah it's been tough since uh lamar left but um <laughs> no cheer i i binged all of cheer i binged all of the witcher which we don't have to talk about it it was what it was i liked it a bunch of people don't but um <laughs> you know got netflix again lying about their algorithm said it got like 43 million unique views i don't know about that but mm-hmm. you know mm. And finally, I watched, not finally, but I watched all of Broadchurch, which if you're... Oh, hell yes. Yes. So I watched all of Broadchurch in about two weeks. Um, that show is incredible. All three, four seasons? All three seasons, three seasons of Broadchurch. And that is not even our TV. That is British TV. <laughs> the best TV. Which, BBC knows what they're doing. Which Netflix has figured out something. I think they figured out... People like death, so we're gonna give you all of these uh, murder documentaries, mm-hmm. um, and then people will come here for the British television shows. Yeah, me. Like I'll do, <laughs> I'll do that. Sign me up. That's I fine. Mean, still standing for my girl Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, so yeah. That's uh, you. Uh, you watch Doctor Who? Yeah. Yeah, I never got into it, but uh, yeah, she plays a huge role. She's in all of those episodes of Broadchurch. And finally, Dex, I've been watching your show, uh, You. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, this is the problem I have with binging. I completely forgot that that happened. <laughs> um, I watched all of You in like two days, talked about it for like a week, and then just moved on. Um, but yeah, man, what? What? <laughs> I feel uh, like we dedicate a whole episode of this. That we, show. Really, uh, we really should do that. I'm down for that. Next episode, we're going to talk about We're going to talk about you next episode. Very horrific <laughs> thoughts. Winning movie, you. Yeah, that, that's oh, yeah. one of the things where it's just like, I'm, I think, only four episodes in, and it was made as a lifetime show, so it has like commercial breaks built into it. So it's yeah. kind of weird to watch on Netflix. Like It's like startling. But it's just like, yeah. I'm, I don't know why I, I could not get enough of it for like Tuesday. Like, like it's not a good show. Don't get me wrong. Oh, it's definitely not. It's definitely, no. it's, it is found a home on Netflix. Cause like, it just has this momentum to it. Like something happens and you're like, I got to see what happens now immediately. I must know. Yeah. I, I think it's cause you're rooting for him to get caught. Like, I think. 
Yeah. You just want an episode where he's just in jail. <laughs> I definitely do. Can we please put this guy like? And then the funny thing is, is that they play it off. He's like, "Oh, this guy isn't crazy." What? <laughs> like you make he's him crazy. He's not crazy. Yeah, you make yourself go like, "Oh, he's just in love," but he's just outside like their apartment, like uh, just has this other girl's phone, like. You know how you date. Yeah, the things. When you stalk somebody to death. Things that happen that normal people do in normal relationships. Yeah, like 75% of your Instagram followers are doing this exact thing. You yeah, know. exactly. And uh, I don't know. That that show has been a weird sort of foray for me. Uh, so that. Season two gets even weirder. So yes, buckle up. Season two is a, is a mess. Well, I'm going to watch. Quite bad. I'm gonna watch some more episodes, and we'll definitely have uh, we'll definitely have a you discussion on the next episode. So, <laughs> finally, uh, we'll wrap up with um, hot takes on one take or one take hot takes takes. What do we? Uh, what what kind of takes do we got? And you had something about the Aaron Hernandez documentary, uh, which I okay. I got through half of one episode, and I said I'll. To some, I'll watch this. I'll read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I would say spoilers. We know what happens to him, so it's hard to spoil. Mm. So my biggest issue with the documentary is how they painted him as this sort of sympathetic figure. Um, the whole documentary, we constantly are introduced to new ideas and theories about his life and what how it contributed to the ultimate fate of him murdering three people, maybe five people, um obviously we're we're told about like his that was abusive um that he was ashamed of his sexuality that he had drug addiction issues um that he had so many concussions that he developed ct like we're constantly given all these reasons and because we're talking to friends and family he's painted in this like light that it's okay. It's he he was a victim of circumstances and he lashed out and that sucked to people lost their lives. But maybe he was just a misunderstood figure and it's like no, he still murdered people whether or not it was, you know, under I guess the right mental circumstances or whatever the background is. He's still a murderer and it, it feels weird to watch a documentary about somebody where almost kind of forced into this corner where you're like well that kind of sucked that he lived this life it's it's a weird portrayal yeah i i personally and i haven't finished the documentary and i don't know if i will because i've watched and listened to so many of these for lack of a better term murder porn uh, yeah. uh documentaries and and podcasts that it's just it's sometimes it's just like all right enough like we just like yeah. We get it. And I think I, I, the Aaron Hernandez story is tragic and interesting at the same time. And I want to know more about it because, you know, in the day I'm a huge sports fan, but it's also just like with these murder porn documentaries and podcasts, they do a, the, they do sort of an injustice by painting these murderers. Well, trying to see both sides of these, what caused a murderer. Or what mm -hmm. caused a serial killer? Yeah, we don't necessarily we don't really got to know that, you yeah. know. Sometimes, so, and I think that's the morbid curiosity, and that maybe digs in a little bit deeper to the psychosis of 
America, but like we don't have to get into that. But like that's that's sort of where I feel like you know I I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, Dex, did you watch it? I did watch it. Me and my mom had watched it. Um, You know, we started with just the one episode, and then we were like, okay, I guess we're watching episode two. And it's like, okay, I guess we're finishing it. So uh, much easier to sit through three hours of the Aaron Hernandez documentary than three hours of The Irishman. Oh, Oh, damn. Very hot take. A much hotter take than mine. Um, Hashtag one take. One take. The... Any other hot takes that y'all have? Because Connor sent me some. Dex, do you have any? I have just one. It's not about any particular movie. It is something that I've been kind of annoyed by recently. Uh, you know, this narrative that Netflix is a huge risk taker. Mm-hmm. I don't Ooh. believe because, you know, Netflix, they just burn money on literally anything. Um, you know, they met, they let uh, Brie Larson make a movie about a unicorn store um you know they let anybody make literally anything for millions and millions of dollars and whether anybody watches it or not doesn't matter because you know they'll just write off the debt get more uh you know loans for more debt and make more stupid movies um you know they'll make some really good movies and some really good tv shows you know they'll give you a roma an irishman a marriage story you know some um, some Emmy nominated TV shows, different things like that, but they throw out a lot of like bullshit and it doesn't matter. And there's no risk to them. They lose nothing. They're mm-hmm. never going to go out of business based on, you know, letting, I don't know, Timothy Chalamet make a movie about furries or something like that. They can do whatever <laughs> they want. They have all the money in the world and they're only going to get more. There's no risk to them ever. And I hate that we kind of look to them now as risk takers and, you know, people who are willing to, you know, let yeah. tell their story or whatever. No, they're just writing some checks, burning some uh, checks. And then I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm right now. I'm looking at the list of just films they released in 2019 and it's ridiculous. Like I, percent of these I, I don't know what they are i probably got targeted for an ad for it never watched it um and just the other day we watched uh um the trailer for horse girl the the new alice and brie film by netflix oh, yeah speaking of what yeah yeah who knows um so i yeah i i think uh not to steal a term from the joker uh, truthers, but we, I mean, we are living in a society that where, where we kind of look at Netflix as the sort of content factory for almost like this indie underground sort of look, and it, it really isn't. Like they're just putting out content after content after content, and most of it is not good, or most of it nobody's watching. And of course, when they do hit, they hit really hard. It's just you have to slog through so much. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 with you, Dex. Like I, I agree. I don't yeah, think Netflix my, really That's my one take hot take. Netflix has zero risk. They're not risk takers. Stop <laughs> rewarding them as that. Yeah. Devil's advocate, I will say that it has provided an outlet for some things that may have not previously been like nobody would have watched Roma. True. Agreed. Like totally agreed. You know what I mean? Like and now way more people watched Roma than would have ever watched Roma. It, it, like 
nobody's going to watch, you know, uh, I don't want to say nobody because people will watch, but it's not going to make its money back. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. So like some of these things that I can like, I guarantee you that marriage story maybe based on like the, the, the talent maybe would have made its money back, but like it wasn't going to make the money that you need sometimes for these movies. So I will say that, they, that they do allow people to just put out whatever content they want to make. But yeah, you're right. They are really just like throwing darts and being like, "All right, <laughs> like, just like where's this one gonna land up? Oh, it hit somebody in the in the in the eye. That's not where we wanted that to go. All right, yeah. So it's, it's just been a big wheel, like a bunch of big wheels. Like, okay, lead actress, we're gonna have Meryl Streep. Okay, what's she gonna do? We're gonna have her. Uh, you know, she's going to explain money laundering to us or you know just whatever like it's they just do whatever with whoever doesn't matter they can get a big name on it they'll spend millions of dollars on that and they'll hope they make it back someday but they're never gonna you know if it doesn't go well nothing's going to happen to them it's whatever nobody cares we're definitely going to find out that netflix was like a billion dollar front for something like i have no idea what they, they were just like they're just like, why did you let, like, yeah, why did, why did you let like Christopher Walken star as like a teddy bear salesman in the <laughs> 1880s? Oh, we were selling yeah. drugs, dude. Did you not like? That's what that was. Netflix actually run by Elizabeth Holmes. It's all makes sense. Ooh. <laughs> Man, talk about another docuseries. series. I never got around to that on HBO. That that's you gotta do it. Yeah, you gotta it's do good. it. Is that Theranos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I gotta watch. I gotta watch Theranos. So add that one to the list of a thousand things of all the content that I need to stream. All right, Connor Burns, uh, who will be our fourth uh, host, whenever he has the time. He had he had sent me this text right before we came on. He said, "Express at least the following hot takes for me." Number one. Jim Jarmusch is the mo- is a more overrated director than Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, wow. okay, interesting. I don't Spicy. I don't know if anybody really thinks of. I think of Jim Jarmusch is as rated. I think that's what he like. Okay, that's what I think. He's the guy with a funny name. Exactly. <laughs> um, he I said, mean, "Dead don't die." Right. Sure. That was a movie. Um, number two, Midsummer. Booksmart and Peanut Butter Falcon should have been nominated over The Irishman, Marriage Story, and Joker. Ooh, I'll agree with this. Well, part of it. I'll agree with part of it. Which part? I'll, uh, I, I think Booksmart definitely did deserve a nomination. Um, I, I understand that the parallels people are saying that it, you know it's just the female version of a super bad, but I think. It, it, it is sort of more relatable. I think it is a much more smarter version of, of Superbad. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that take. Um, same with Midsommar. Um, I think anything that A24 puts out is pretty incredible. Um, we might be entering a territory pretty soon where they might Netflix themselves and, and just keep throwing things out. Um, the weirder, the better. But um, it did get best cinematography. Or no, it didn't. Sorry, I'm thinking of um, Lighthouse. But yeah, yeah I, I think Midsommar is... I followed an A24 tangent and forgot where I was. Um, but I think Midsommar probably did. Um, 
I don't know if anybody in there really deserved a, a huge award, but I think it, cinematography at least, or I don't know, best picture, but yeah. According to Dex, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh nominated her three times. <laughs> she gets the nomination for not being in that burning house at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> ugh. Ugh. Um, number three, Uncut Gems and Hustlers deserve not to be nominated. Whoa! That is a super spicy take. Spicy. That is that is an incredible Ooh. take. Uh, number four, Harmony Corinne will go down as the best director slash filmmaker to never receive even an Oscar nomination. You know, I gotta be honest. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Let's see. All I know from is Gummo, and that is an insane film that I I don't know will ever be seen or should be seen by man, but um, he he did did Beach Bum. He did Beach Bum and Spring Breakers, which are two films that nobody knows what to think of. Yeah. I just Googled right now, and I can honestly say I have seen literally none of these movies. Yeah. What an esoteric take by Connor Burns. Um, number five. Paras- heavy, heavy take. Parasite for best picture. Uh, Agreed. It's not really a hot take. I think that may actually win. But um, he said, also, my ice cold take, Taron Edgerton deserves multiple Oscars for Rocket Man if Rami Malek got one for Queen, the movie. <laughs> Rocket Man is definitely a better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I don't think that's really debatable. But, uh, <sighs> I think Taron Edgerton didn't give as good a performance as Rami Malek did. Oh, take that back. Oh, oh. Yeah, we're going to have this I argument right now. Rami Malek did. This is going to be my hot take. Rami Malek didn't even okay, didn't sing. The mm-hmm. And maybe this is a lack of a story behind this movie he didn't do anything they they kind of uh just touched on the fact that maybe he got not maybe i mean he did get aids but like they just touched on the fact that like they said oh you have hiv and then he goes hey oh when he walked out of the hospital yeah (laughs) what was that yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is not good. It is hashtag not good. But I think that uh, Rami Malek did a pretty good. You know, the Oscars loves an impersonation. Uh, it's why mm-hmm. Nate Zellweger is about to win for Judy Garland. That's um, why Megan or uh, Charlie Theron got nominated for Megan Kelly. The Oscars loves impersonations, and like I never really believed Taron Egerton as Elton John. I know that really wasn't the point of the movie, but it just never. Felt like oh I'm watching um, Elton John right now. It was like I'm watching Terry Anderson in a musical, which yeah. is good. But you know I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have given him best actor. I would have given him a nomination. I think he probably deserved it. I don't know who you kick out of that, but um, but I think if we're gonna go down those same lines of Judy Garland and and uh, you know why Megan Kelly, I, why yeah Megan Kelly and 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 last year with Robbie Malik. I think you kind of going to maybe even throw him in there. I, I'm glad he got the I'm glad he got the Golden Globe because I think he deserved mm-hmm. it for best you know musical, comedy and musical. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, they are awards. Nobody cares. You still got to wake up and go to work in the morning. 
that's my that's my hot take is that I care, but you shouldn't. Yep, and that's kind of what I walk away from the Oscars every year thinking. It's like, am I really pissed that Green Book won? Yes. Am I going to care about what wins Best Picture next year? Also, yes. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be back here every year and be pissed every year and keep coming back. It's a continual mm-hmm. cycle. My hot take is that it's a continual cycle of, oh, man, why would they do that? Who Then you just then you <clears throat> got to go to sleep and wake up in the yeah. morning and go pay your bills because like <laughs> like that's what that's what happens. So it's just like, should you care about the Oscars? Absolutely not. Can you? Sure. And that's why we're here. And that's, that's why we're here uh, at 1030 at night talking about this stuff. Anything else y'all got? This has been one. We're going on 145 now. Jesus. Wow. Good length. Yeah. Good length pod. This is the uh, kind of pod that you listen to uh, when you're taking a dump at work and not wanting to go back <laughs> and sit at your desk. Yeah, we got to down in the future, but uh, it's been great. I'm very excited yeah. about this. Yeah. Episode one in the books. Episode Done. one. We may do this once a week. We may do this no weeks. We'll try. <laughs> I want to I want to try and at least get one out once a week and hopefully can continue this. You know, we're all busy uh, and have jobs, but uh, I will say that's all I got. What about y'all? I'm I'm tapped out. I'm good. Support Florence Pugh. Support. I'll let the you Pugh-zons. start. The Pugh is on. The Pugh is on. She never went anywhere. She's just coming yeah, up. There's not a, there's not a Pugh is a whatever. <laughs> she disappeared for a couple of years when she was 12 yeah, and, then came back. and then came back the pew is on so we'll start the, not as good as the reconnaissance but we'll uh, we'll, we'll continue the pew is on so I'll let uh, Dex tweet out that hashtag whenever we tweet this episode alright guys for Dex, Jake, Connor who was in the comments I'm Lloyd Nogletree uh, this has been One Take thank you One Take